Welcome to the Money and Time Machine podcast, where you can learn how to rage against the theft of your financial future by listening to a unique perspective on what's holding you back from a life of more money and more time. Hello and welcome to the Money and Time Machine podcast. I'm your host, Justin Paul or JP, for those of you that uh, know me. Welcome to episode 11. I'm excited about my next guest. I've had her on my list of people I wanted to converse with, but since she's popular and there were no guarantees, I had to wait patiently in line like everyone else until my time came around and I was chuffed when she agreed to come onto the Money and Time Machine podcast. Now I'll digress just for a moment. A body of work that I have been studying for close to a decade is called Spiral Dynamics, based on the research and work of a one Claire Graves. He's no longer with us, which is a real shame. But suffice to say, it's essentially about the different levels of consciousness in humanity and the associated thinking systems that accompany those different levels of consciousness. And I use it to understand myself and the world around me. And the reason why I've been studying it for as long as I have is that it's a dense body of work for one, and you can only decipher it or interpret it from a level of consciousness that exists within you. Or, if you're as fortunate as as I have been, you have access to someone who can help you understand spiral dynamics more comprehensively. So as I have evolved, however slow that may be, I'm always seeing and understanding that dense body of work in new ways, subtle nuances, and I'm left fascinated by even the slightest of perceptions I may not have experienced or understood in years past. So it should come as no surprise when I tell you that there has been a shift in consciousness as it pertains to wealth creation and the rise of entrepreneurialism, as more and more people seek to exit the system as they search for new and exciting ways to earn more money and create more time for the things that are important to them. So my next guest brought to my attention when I invited her onto the Money and Time Machine podcast, when in my correspondence to her, I used the word mumpreneur. And there was a certain energy in her reply that I couldn't ignore in our correspondence. And I wanted to use that energy for what is going to be an exciting podcast episode. Now, to explain further. Now, I have a confession to make. I don't really listen to too many podcasts myself. And the reason is, when I was starting out, I wanted to avoid getting caught up in that all-too-familiar trap, the trap of comparison. Who's who and where do I stand in relation to them? Is my podcast cover page and website as good as theirs? (laughs) Now, that's perfectly healthy, but depending on your own personal psychology, it can become an unhealthy preoccupation and ultimately brings your ambitions to an untimely end. Simply said, you believe that you may not be good enough, which is a real shame. So for me, the answer is I'm more focused on what I want to produce rather than preoccupy my time caring about what other people are doing. But I do respect the medium of podcasting. I'm certainly always learning from those who have made a success of their endeavors. In the words of Pablo Picasso, learn the rules like a pro so you can break them like an artist. Yes, I learned the rules and continue to do so, but I'm only looking to be the best version that I can be.
So when I was listening to a couple of podcasts, because I'm interested in learning about my avatar in terms of marketing to my audience, what they think about and how they think about what they think about, that word came up, mompreneur. It popped up so regularly, I'm pretty sure I heard it in my sleep the next night. So when my guest told me she wasn't a fan of that word and she explained why, I totally understood what she meant. She didn't say the word was wrong. She just said she wasn't a fan of the word. And I'll get her to explain why after I've introduced her. Suffice to say, my guest epitomizes the heroine's journey. Yes, you've heard me speak of the hero's journey, but a hero can be both a man and a woman. She's not afraid of hard work, educating herself and developing her fabulous entrepreneurial skills and becoming in the process one of Australia's noted and admired small business mentors. Welcome to the Money and Time Machine podcast, Director of High Profit Copy, Marketing and Media, Nicole Lancaster-Ashby. Welcome, Nicole. Hey, JP. Thank you for having me. Look, apologies for the uh, long introduction, but I thought you, you're deserving because <laughs> your, um, your, your resume, uh, even you know, over a course, case of a decade, literally, look, we, we, we probably could do a couple of hours on the podcast just to cover you know, all of those uh, finer points of your career to date. Um, so, Nicole is your professional name. I mean, that, 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 that's your name, Nicole Lancaster Ashby, oh. and people, people professionally speaking know you as Nicole, but I'll uh, use Use your name, Nikki, you know, um, so mm -hmm. uh, people can cross over. So we're, I'm having a yarn to uh, a, a, a friend of mine now. And so, Nikki, if you could just explain to me uh, what you replied in your correspondence, and then I'll, I'll explain why that's important. <laughs> sure, Justin. So I think how I replied was um, because you'd used the, the mumpreneur term, and I said I'm not, I'm not, a, you know, I'm not a fan of, of the term mumpreneur because – I've never heard of the term dadpreneur. So why do we need to come up with this term for women or, or mothers who are being on entrepreneurial and tag them as being a mumpreneur? I find it quite denigrating um, and certainly not, um, you know, moving forward in terms of equal rights. I don't see it as a very equal footing at all. So I'm yeah, not a fan of that. No, Nicole or, or Nikki. Uh, look, I, I, I totally, I got it. I, I got it, and that's why I sort of brought in a very dense mm. topic of spiral dynamics because the point I wanted to make there, and I felt the energy. And uh, look, mm -hmm. I'm getting older, and I've got broader shoulders, and uh, so I tend to never <laughs> take things personally. So I pick up on people's energy, and I thought, what well, great! I've got a starting yeah. point to our podcast. And the point I wanted to make is that entrepreneurialism is a thinking system. It's a way of thinking about the world and ability to see the world in ways that allows you to interpret information in your unique way and in the process create value for others that allows you as an entrepreneur uh, a successful life and lifestyle as defined by you. Entrepreneurs typically go against the grain of conventional wisdom and yeah. doing what others are unable but mostly unwilling and or reluctant to do. So it's through your entrepreneurial development that you end up creating certainty in your life by way of being able to have more money and more time for the things in your life as compared to when you have to exchange your time and labor or expertise for a paycheck. Even if the paycheck is generous, your future is always dependent on external factors aligning. And with constant change abound and eroding confidence, there's no guarantees that playing it safe will always work out in your favor. That said, 
don't hear me say that having a job is a bad thing. Far from it. So when people become successful, and I use the word in general terms, it's because they have educated themselves and developed skills and that education and acquired set of skills that came as a result of being mentored and your personal experiences does not discriminate as to the societal or culturally constructed roles, which is where I think you were coming from, your Mm. gender, your color, your nationality, Mm. your ethnicity, geography, religion. So I just wanted to make that point. So when I meet a person who has achieved success and I want to emulate that person's success, it's their understanding of people's processes that is of keen interest to me. So as far as you, uh, Nicole, are concerned, you have been nominated for state and national awards in the domain of small business throughout Australia. And having known you since, I think, 2009, just Mm -hmm. let me say... I'm certainly proud to have met your acquaintance and I'm always learning from you as we progress or as you progress on your your enterprising journey in the world of media, marketing, business and mentoring. So now I'm excited to hear from you, uh, as I'm sure the listeners are. So, uh, Nikki, I'm going to ask you, I I introduced you as the director of high profit copy marketing and media. Mm -hmm. Would you mind please sharing with the listener? What is high-profit copy marketing and media, and how do the services and value that high-profit copy marketing and media provide to your existing clients and to potential clients who are considering the benefits of high-profit copy marketing and media provide? Okay. Well, it's a bit of a mouthful, isn't it? Yeah, it's like it. It's like Yeah, it is. (laughs) So it started out as high-profit media, and that was off the back of my own media journey with my first business and being interviewed hundreds of times across radio, TV and print, um, both, you know, right across the country and internationally and realizing how powerful that was in terms of lifting my profile and spreading my message and getting that cut through to my ideal customer. And after the, well, I was setting that up as I was transitioning out of my former business into this one. And it's really about uh, establishing yourself as an authority, establishing yourself, I guess, as someone who has the information and services and product and value that your ideal customer wants. And while the media, you know, and when I say media, I talk about traditional media, so TV, radio and print, is I think absolutely essential for growing a business and it's one of the most effective ways to market your business. You also have to have an understanding about the words that you're writing um, when you're describing your ideal customer and how to market through them, whether that's through traditional media, social media um, or direct email. So all of it is absolutely critical and crucial as you're building your business and reaching your ideal customer. And as we move into the world of AI and into the new, um, I guess, industrial revolution, which is I think 4.0, we're having robots and, and AI do a lot of our, I guess, marketing and, you know, autoresponders and so forth. So having that skill uh, around soft skills, communication, um, persuasion, it's absolutely critical. So it's about offering that to business owners so that they can lift their business, they can become the business that they want to, um, you know, that I guess the authority in their particular space or niche, whatever that is for them. 
Now, that's brilliant, uh, Nikki. So presumably you, you're always endeavoring to find effective and even ingenious ways your clients can benefit from the services that you provide as a means, I guess, of staying relevant is, is really what I'm hearing you saying and being seen mm. by the relevant target market and audience they wish to connect with because the the, uh, the marketing frame is, is, is fairly dense and to stand out, mm-hmm. I would imagine, you know, you require someone with the expertise that you provide. So would that be a fair summary of... Yeah, absolutely. Because you're spot on. If you think about social media, it's so crowded. There's so many businesses and people doing videos and there's text popping up. And if you look at the ads that, you know, if you're scrolling through, you know, Instagram or Facebook and an ad jumps out and grabs your attention, the ads that are written well and that are really effective, they know that you're their avatar. So they will use words and images that draw you in. And then you'll see other, um, you know, Post it might be a generic post with text or a video and it's boring, it doesn't connect with you, um, there's no hook, so you just keep on scrolling. So it's a top priority now that the business owners really equip themselves with the skills to enable themselves to market effectively and really reach their avatar. Well said, Nikki. Can I ask you another question? So mm-hmm. what was the attraction of that domain? And I'm talking about, you know, media that first mm-hmm. drew your attention And then secondly, you know, uh, engaged your enterprising mind to conceptualize that you had certain skills and ideas that you could transfer from your previous business success, Mm. which is a real boon, by the way. So so well done and congratulations to that. And and what was that process like? And, And what I mean by that, as in going from one successful business venture to another very clearly successful business. Yeah. (laughs) So it was really from realizing with my first business, FIFO Families, that I had achieved everything I wanted to achieve with that and thinking, okay, what's next? And working with my mentor in terms of an exit strategy and what is it that I next want to go on to? And I was, um, there was somebody um, in WA who was doing some media training and charging, I think probably around four to $5,000 for about yeah, for two to three days of media training, which was just teaching people how to write media releases. And that person was a former journalist. Now, my media experience had come through total naivety and um, I guess just being in the right place at the right time, starting FIFO <laughs> Families and becoming you know, what you refer to as a first mover. So I was the first person in that space that had, had set up anything to do with supporting flying flat families across the country. So very quickly I fell into these media interviews and, you know, realizing by taking action and getting results that, oh, I didn't quite say something there or that worked really well. And then I'd go to my Google Analytics and see how each interview would impact, you know, hits to the website and to our social media. And, you know, after doing probably maybe 20 interviews, I thought, oh, hang on, there's actually strategy and skill involved in this. And I can actually harness my skills and learn about messaging and, the messages that I also want to get across in these interviews. And it was hugely beneficial to my business. And, you know, I really did build my business off the back of many, many media interviews and then realizing, well, I'm in a unique position here because I don't have any media training, but I know how to market. I know how to deliver messages. And now I know intimately how the media work, traditional media and what they want from us. So I thought, well, you know, if there's other people out there making lots of money in this space as a journalist, then I can reverse engineer my own journey of not being a journalist but effectively harnessing the media to build my business and then t- show and teach because I'm also 
teaching is one of my flow states. I'm a former teacher as well. So I really enjoy teaching. I thought if I can teach small business owners how the media work and how to market their business to the media, um, then that's going to be hugely beneficial to small business owners and, and also save them a bucket load of money because then they don't have to use PR companies as such to market themselves to the media. No, that, that's, that's brilliant. I was going to uh, break away with, the, with a, a third question I had in mind, but I'm going to ask you the, the question after that, uh, just uh, keeping in sync with what you've just said. Now, mm-hmm. I've known you since 2009 when we first met, and we have both understood the importance of immersing ourselves in an environment that has nurtured and inspired us in different ways. But to edify you, your success to date at high-profit copy marketing and media is not really a surprise to many because you have a history that denotes your ability to learn fast, adapt well, apply what you You've learned, and with effect of mentoring across the board and in different areas, you've just done what was required, paid the price by way of your commitment and tenacity and impacted people's lives in positive ways. Now, I know that your husband works in the oil and gas industry, otherwise known as FIFO, fly and fly out. Mm-hmm. For those of you, if you've not heard that uh, word before, I myself mm-hmm. worked in the mining sector for a few short years, many, many moons ago. But I would be remiss in saying that whilst I enjoyed my experience, I also observed an unhealthy aspect to that lifestyle. Not not the industry itself necessarily. You know, you have a young family and both you and your hubby are very committed to. And it was your enterprising mind that saw an opportunity mm. in an industry that offers many benefits, financially speaking, but it also had a dark side, as I just mentioned. But it was in the midst of this darkness that you created a business that shone light and helped to take away the stigma that exists in that particular industry amongst others. So my question is, how did that progress evolve for you that led you to start uh, you know, your first successful stint uh-huh. at small business? Yeah, would would you mind elaborating on that? Absolutely, because I remember it very, very clearly. And um, it it came about through, uh, you know, doing Money Mastery. I think I was doing that at the same time as you were. And it was, you know, our mentor, Paul Council, had said a conversation over the weekend about your values and what are your values. And I remember driving home and thinking, oh, my goodness, I I don't actually know what my values are. Like I knew honesty and integrity, but – Apart from, I thought, what are my values? And I remember driving home on autopilot thinking, oh, my gosh. And then it hit me and I just thought, it's it's family. Family is my number one value. Um, you know, I'm just so devoted to my family and I grew up with a very, very big extended family. And I thought, you know, if I can uh, link a business, and I'd never run a business before. I had no idea what I was doing. But I thought, <laughs> well if done. I can do something, <laughs> if I can link family and business, then that's going to bring me joy. Uh, so both you and I were undertaking uh, a course with our mentor, Paul Council, and that was uh, 2010. Mm. And it was, you know, thinking about, well, how could we start a business? And Paul was talking about values and, you know, it's important to know what your values are. And I remember driving home thinking, I don't, I don't know what my values are and being quite perturbed by that. And I thought, yeah, honesty, integrity, but beyond that, you know, what are my values? And it hit me. It was like family is my number one value. I'm very devoted to my family um, and I grew up with a, a very close extended family. My mum is one of nine. And uh, then I was having a one-on-one um, catch-up with Paul at the Cicerello's Cafe in Leaderville that you have referred to, JP. Mm. And I remember saying to Paul, you know, I, I want to start something. Uh, I know family is my value, but how can I do anything when my husband's away for 28 days on my own? And at that time, um, my three kids were six months old, 
two and a half and four and a half when I when I had this conversation with Paul. And I said, how can I do anything? Because I actually feel like I'm I'm suffocating. I don't have time to do to do anything. I'm a full time carer for these three kids on my own with very very limited family support. And Paul said to me, and these words changed my life. If it's a problem for you, it's going to be a problem for other people. And that was such a massive aha moment. I refer to it as almost being hit by lightning. Yes, <laughs> it really yes. shocked me to my core. And I just thought immediately, I thought, oh, there's thousands, uh, I think at the time, 100,000 FIFO workers across the country, of, of which at least half would have, you know, um, be married with kids. And, you know, I've got a, um, a bit of background in psychology and um, social welfare. And so I could recognize when I was getting wobbly. And when Joe was home, my husband, he's home for four weeks. So four weeks on, four weeks off. But there were other families where the father would be away for four weeks and home for one week. And I just thought, gosh, that would, you know, I'd probably have child protection on my doorstep if I was in that situation. <laughs> and I thought, well, hang on hang on a minute, I can do something here. This is a, a niche. I've got the skills in terms of, you know, a, a background in social welfare, social work and the psychology and teaching. I can actually do something here to make a difference. So that's when I set about on that first business with FIFO families. No, because I can certainly attest to your, your observations and your own personal experience. As I mentioned earlier, a long, long time ago, I was a much younger man than I am now. Um, but, uh, you know, uh, spending two years in the mining industry, and for me, it was quite a good experience because I went down there with my then wife and there were no kids involved. But I did observe, as I said, notwithstanding the money that people are earning, which is why most people go there, <clears throat> the impact on their on their personal family life uh, uh, was, uh, was, yeah, it was quite uh, quite astounding. Now, some people do it well, but don't get me wrong. It's, it's not everyone that, that's in that industry. Uh, and I'm personally supporting my uh, sister-in-law and brother who are going through a separation and that's exactly the industry so after 18 years um it does erode and you know and and look i'm encouraging them to seek help now but i certainly know that experience firsthand but uh, nikki there's uh, you know uh, we talk about uh fifo which is your your first business and how you sort of Mm -hmm. meandered into that and um and and what an outcome you know uh, a very successful business by all accounts and i guess when you're on the heroine's journey or the hero journey oftentimes you can't always tell what is going to happen on the journey but there's a little known fact i know you're uh, you know a director of um, high profit me- uh, copy marketing and media now but a little known fact is that because of your success at fifo you've been headhunted let me repeat oh. this again you've been oh. headhunted for a stint at federal politics so uh, please, I, 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 I'm, I, I'm, I'm super keen to understand or, and, or hear the story of how that's come about. <laughs> it's quite fascinating. And, you know, Paul Council would, would often talk about this rule of procession and that you start out, you know, at point A and then you've got point B in your mind and, and you're working towards that. But then you have this perpendicular drop down of these <laughs> other um, effects or experiences if you will, that you never, never, ever had on your radar but just kind of naturally evolve. And that was certainly for the media. I'd never thought about going, you know, to the media uh, and that just evolved and, as I said, right place, right time and, and and understanding the messages that I wanted to deliver and because I was so passionate about bringing change to the industry. And 
you know, I, I started networking with um, or would, you know, would approach mining and oil and gas companies and I'd have meetings with, you know, MDs and vice presidents and um, CEOs and quite often the only female in the room. And then that just kind of, I guess, led on to politics and politicians. And I thought strategically, if I can talk to as many political leaders that will listen to me, then that's going to be great for my business. And because I really wanted to create change and bring awareness to the workers and their partners at home that were really struggling because we knew anecdotally that the suicide rates were high along with divorce and and I was getting feedback from many of the, the partners, generally the mothers, not always mothers at home, who were you know, talking about being depressed and crying when their partner flew to work and, and not having much support because a lot of families would move from other parts of Australia to to Perth or to Queensland for these FIFO jobs. So they're in a whole world of pain and I just thought, well, I've, you know, I can do something. And so it started off with, um, you know, talking with at the time then in Perth it was um, the Liberal government was in power, so that was uh, Colin Barnett from memory. Yes. And I'd speak with the, the leader or the, um, uh, the minister for mining and petroleum and then I'd speak to the Greens leaders and then that would lead to a conversation of being introduced to the National Greens leader when they were in Perth and, and then I'd do the same um, with the Labor. And I guess because... Because of, you know, it was a bit of, you know, social justice and the underdog and looking for the rights of the workers and the families that naturally I got a bit of attention from some Labor candidates. And um, there was one who was um, Gary Gray. He was fantastic, really supportive of me and opened up many doors into mining companies because he was liaising with a lot of the mining companies in Perth. So he'd do some introductions. And we almost got some federal funding through the government when Julia Gillard was in power and at the time Bill Shorten was the one who was kind of heading um, that negotiation up and um, you know he the, the finally didn't get through he said that Gillard had knocked it back unfortunately because it would have uh, I think we we're up for about two million dollar funding with a, a not-for-profit um, mining body which would have been fantastic but anyway so then I had this you know um I guess, a relationship with, with Bill Shorten. And then he went on to become, you know, leader of the Labor Party. And it was probably about oh, maybe 18 months, maybe two and a half years ago. And uh, my phone rang. It was about 8 o'clock at night. So I was, I was getting the kids to bed. So never a great time to ring a parent. And, <laughs> and, and of course, Joe was away offshore. And my phone rang and I ran to it and it just flashed up Bill Shorten. And I was like, ah! Wow. <laughs> and I didn't, wow. I didn't, yeah, I didn't answer it immediately because I put the kids to bed, put the kids to bed and got back and then um, rang Bill back and I was, you know, quite nervous and, you know, having a chat to me. He said, look, Nicole, there's an opportunity um, in WA. There's a federal seat that has come up. Um, I'd really I'd really like for you to consider running, you know, running for federal politics and I didn't see that coming. was very um, humbled about that and um, but immediately recognised that, you know, to become a federal politician, I would be away from my family more than my husband was away from my family. Yeah. So, yeah, knocked it back at that point and just said, look, I'm not in the position. And um, I think he probably rang me probably about 18 months ago and asked me again. So I was still in WA at that stage. Um, 
Yeah, and I just said, um, yeah, I can't do it at the moment while my, you know, my kids are too young and they're my priority. So my kids now are 10, 12 and 14. But being aware of the impact of having a parent working away from the family and knowing how challenging that can be for us as a family unit, um, I've put it on the back burner for the moment. But, um, yeah, very interesting and I guess this is also one of the, you know, when we talk about marketing yourself and, and your business as well is when you do use mediums like social media and traditional media, you just never know who's watching exactly. and who's interacting. Yeah. Even yeah. with podcasts, you just never know. So yes. um, it's always, I think, a little mindful reminder to be, you know, aware of that and also yeah. aware of, of your core messaging and, yes. and who you want to deliver that to. So, yes, that was a little interesting Side story. No, uh, well, look, a, a great side story. If, if that's uh, if that is a byproduct of what happens when you go on a journey, because you can't always see what the next step is, mm. and you can't always see what the future holds until you uh, have the courage to uh, put one foot in front of the next and keep going. Mm. Now that said, Absolutely. Nikki, you know, you, you could, my goodness, you know, in ten years, so it was two thousand nine, two thousand ten, I think, is when we first mm-hmm. met. So, mm-hmm. so we're going into two thousand twenty. Um, so it's mm. been a great decade for you, and so uh, uh, for me, that's a great segue to my next question. You know, no, no man or woman is an island. You know mm-hmm. this very well. And I know that you have endorsed the benefits of mentoring as you yourself are a mentor to many. And whilst mm-hmm. no one mentor can be all things to all people, is there a particular person or mentor who, you know, you can say has had a profound impact on your overall success journey to date? Oh, absolutely. I've had quite a few. I've had one main mentor and different coaches. Um, and, you know, I'll... I'll keep coming back. <laughs> I keep coming <laughs> back to the the main one because, you know, it's about. I think when you talk about spiral dy- dynamics and having that understanding of the psychology and the and the growth and the evolution of your thinking, and also, what has always stuck by me is making sure that the mentor that you choose or the business coach that you choose to work with has the results yes. that you seek. That is so important yeah. because. Otherwise, how can they illuminate the path before you if they haven't walked that path themselves? And I remember having one business coach in Perth that I was with for only a a few months and, you know, he was talking to me about um, not having enough money and being able to pay his bills. And I thought, hang on a minute, hang on a minute. You know, that's a clear (laughs) sign that you are not a a great choice and advocate um, for me to use. So then I went back to Paul Council, who I've really been, has been mentoring me on and off, mostly on for the, for the last 10 years. And I can say that I would not be where I am without his support and guidance. Because when I said I'd never run a business with, you know, FIFO Families was my first business. I had no idea. I had to go from working self, you know, through the blue V meme and really grow up into the orange entrepreneurial self. And that was something I'd never undertaken. I was very keen to do it, but, you know, having three young kids and not knowing anything about business, it was such a, a fast-moving and fast-learning journey for me. But I couldn't have done it without Paul. 
Oh, brilliant, brilliant. And uh, when you refer to the blue V meme and the orange uh, uh, V memes, these are the different levels of consciousness that I uh, alluded to when I, uh, you know, did this uh, introduction to this episode. Well, mm. uh, look, uh, you know, l- l- let's look at the at, at the next question. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm pretty confident that, that uh, you'll be able to answer this. I, I think it would be fair to say that no one really likes change. And you've undergone a lot of change in 10 years. I mean, I remember you being, you know, a young mum, uh, young family, um, you know, hubby's working in and out and so you're just trying to do the best you can to keep yeah. everyone together but yeah. you and I have learned that life is constantly changing that you mm-hmm. know that, that attraction to pleasure and avoidance of pain um, mm-hmm. at a reptilian brain level you know let's call that yeah. makes sense but if you want to create a life of your dreams it's you who has to learn how to control your emotions and override your conditioning if you want to control your destiny instead of having it dictated to you and yeah. I'll quote uh, from Paul Council's uh, book, The Essentials of Psychology, which was the third of his uh, trilogy. Uh, and I'll quote, he says, change is the central factor that binds all wealth creation processes. It is the core activity that provides the springboard to success. Something that must be kept uppermost in mind is that if you cannot change from who you are, you cannot change to who you want to be. And I think it was the Greek philosopher, uh, philosopher Heraclitus at 535, 475 BC that said, nothing is permanent but change. So mm. perhaps it's because I've known you for a little while, but in reality, you have epitomized the idea of doing this. You're always doing something, learning, applying, modifying, tweaking and refining until you get the results that you want. So here's the question. Or a couple of questions, you know, all roll into one. What drives you? What what gives you the juice to keep on going, even if you hit stumbling blocks? And more importantly, what do you do to avoid that dreaded curse of falling back into old <laughs> ineffectual habits? Because <laughs> it does happen, doesn't it? It, it does. It does. Yeah. It does. It does. And I've had some massive roadblocks, um, you know, over over that ten year period, but. I think for me, the driving force is my family and financial freedom. That That is what drives me. And, you know, when I first started learning from Paul with, with the Money Mastery course and he spoke about, you know, creating income, um, I guess, more than I could ever create as a teacher and working my own hours and for me having the flexibility to work around my kids was what really inspired me to to give business a go and also knowing that business is one of those um the key factors of, of what of what can get you financial freedom i think it was business property and the other one was you know shares and trading are the, yes. the main vehicles to get you there yeah. so i thought well i'll have a crack at this this business side of thing and because i am passionate about creating change um that seemed like the most logical fit for me. Yes. Um, and it's interesting when you talk about change, because I remember in my early twenties, I was maybe about 21, 22 and a good friend said something that completely floored me. And we'd, we'd had these plans to go and do something, go to the beach or something. And the plans changed. And I got very cross, very cross. And he, <laughs> he kind of looked at me and he just said, not everything has to be set in stone. Like we're allowed to change plans and be spontaneous. Like, you know, don't crack the sads because someone's, you know, day has had to change. And I'd never thought of myself before as being someone who was inflexible with their thinking. And it really hit me and I really took it on board. And then it might have been maybe about 12 months later, um, 
there was a quote, and I don't know who it comes from, but it is my favorite quote, change is constant. Yes. And I kind of thought I need to embrace that and I need to become more open and flexible and um, I'm a Capricorn as well, so I can be quite stubborn and <laughs> really <laughs> and headstrong. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Didn't notice. So I thought, yeah, that changes, changes constant. Okay, so I, I, I try and you know when something doesn't go to plan, or I just you know really think, well, let's just let it go. And again, coming back to the spiral dynamics and and looking at what I guess needs to evolve in your thinking and your mind flex is really embracing that and being open to change and that things aren't rigid and they're not set and they can change and they do evolve. And when you do evolve as a person, so many more doors and opportunities um, can open up that you just, you'd never imagine. So I really do embrace change, even though, you know, it can be very challenging and confronting and uncomfortable. Um, it's, it's something that, that is constant. No, spoken like someone who's taken on board what their mentor has taught them, applied it. I guess that's really key because you can all know yes. a lot of things. Um, but I think your results uh, bear testimony to the fact that you are a doer and not a talker. And, um, you know, if we look at high profit copy marketing and media, it's still a young company mm-hmm. you know still mm-hmm. a company and if your passion and drive is anything to go by what are your future plans at least for the the foreseeable future you know are you going to keep it boutique or, or do you have plans to scale uh, this business of yours i think still keeping it um you know as a boutique business because what i realized with fifo families was the more that i grew it and the bigger that it got and um you know we, we got very close to um, well, kicking, you know, a lot of money. I think at the peak I had five employees and 60 volunteers under me. But what I realized was the harder I worked in that business and the more money that came in, the more money went out. So it was never really going to be a vehicle for financial freedom for me. So this time I'm much more, I guess, methodical and aware that, yes, I want to grow the business and scale it, but I want to make sure that I have people who are working with me that are productive and who are not draining from me. So it's not just money in, money out. So um, scaling it, definitely, but not going too big. I'm not really a fan of taking on more employees. Absolutely. That was a a lesson um, learned. But what I will be focusing on for 2020 is running some retreats. So uh, doing one in Perth with – a good friend of mine who runs a company called Behind the Brands, and that's really a, a hub for female entrepreneurs in Australia. So we'll be doing a high-profit copy marketing and media retreat. And then we'll also be doing one uh, in regional Victoria, which is where I'm based now, and that will be for uh, female entrepreneurs in regional Victoria that I'm working with. And then we'll be looking to scale that and take that overseas in 2021 because I think – you know, the, the power of, as you and I know, when we've been to retreats over the years with um, Paul, the power of getting out of your business and away, you know, to a different location and being able to work in your business and to learn and have those deep conversations where you do have those paradigm shifts. Uh, it's so hard to do that when you're, you know, doing everyday life and yes. in your business and with your family and all these other, you know, sporting commitments and social commitments it's almost near impossible. So I think the retreats are truly effective and 
gosh, just, you know, that deep connection and learning and the shifts that come. Um, oh, I don't know. Yeah, it's immersing yourself, in, it's, it's, it's immersing yourself yes. in that, in that environment Absolutely. because, you know, Paul Council says environment is everything. And, yes. uh, you know, it's a little bit premature because my next question was going to, you know, was what exciting plans are you able to share or at least an idea that can excite someone looking to utilize the expertise that high profit copy marketing and media is able to provide to boost their profitability. But it sounds like, you know, you're the, um, you, you've just explained what you've got in mind. And so that's, uh, look, if, if uh, the last 10 years anything to go by, I think uh, 2020, 2021 for you and anyone who endeavors to jump on board with you is in for an exciting and profitable ride so nikki can i can i ask you as as my gift to you how can people who are listening to this podcast get in in, in contact uh, uh, with you you know if you could perhaps relay your company email or perhaps your website address that's that's my gift but uh, i certainly think you are someone that needs to be shared far and wide and to anyone who's uh, prepared to listen and i suspect there's uh, tons of people out there so please i'll give you a bit of a segue and um thank you that's truly kind truly kind jp uh so you can find the the website is hi h-i-j-h and then uh, g-h and then profit media so hi-profitmedia.com uh nicole at hi-profitmedia.com is my email address uh you can find me um on instagram High Profit Media and also um, Facebook. And if you wanted to search for me personally on Facebook, it's Nicole Lancaster Ashby. But, yeah, I've just got my uh, maiden name in there because, yeah, people who want to connect with me that, you know, I might have gone to school with who might know me as my married name, Ashby. So that's how, um, that's how people can find me. Brilliant. And unlike uh, Bill Shorten, please do not call or try to contact at 8 p.m., even though the kids are grown up a little bit. Um, but no, no, look, uh, uh, Nicole, thank you very, very much for your time. I really appreciate this. I've based the podcast Money and Time Machine on, on basically four pillars. One is understanding of risk. The other is uh, debt reduction. Uh, the third one is increasing different ways of making money. And then last but not least is skills development. So I'm really going to take this opportunity now to put you on the spot uh, to ask your permission at a later stage in, you know, the forthcoming um, episodes there. I'd like to dedicate uh, at least one or two or three. Okay, I won't try my luck too much. um, Episodes where, look, basically you can can share some of the skills that you um, have developed uh, because in previous episodes, uh, as with Paul Council, we talk about, you know, you started like like. Most people, you're a working mum. You did what you mm. had to to do. Then you obviously developed that enterprising mind. So you saw mm-hmm. ideas, but it wasn't until you, as you say, as naive as you were, as you were, um, mm-hmm. you jumped in. And then in that process, you, with the help of mentoring and, and other people, um, you were able to develop the skills necessary to facilitate your growth in that endeavor. And of course, you you haven't looked back since. So yes, I'd I'd really like to invite you on to future episodes. So with that. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, um, I'd like to thank uh, Nicole for her time. I, I, I promised that it was going to be an exciting episode. I think it was better than that. Um, so please, until we meet again, please take care and speak soon. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the Money and Time Machine podcast. 
And remember, you're either someone else's version of a money and time machine, or you can learn how to become your very own effective money and time machine and to live with purpose on purpose. 